listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. This is important information I'm giving you here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's a dick move. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 132 of Sentimental. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Your mother sit here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. It was as if there were four razors cutting at the same time. Kill her, mommy! Kill her! We'll tear your soul apart. I've seen the exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast. We can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Son Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our guest tonight, returning once again, is award-winning artist, writer, co-creator of X-Men Noir for Marvel Comics, and The Devil Inside with previous sentimental guest, Todd Stashwick. Most recently, he wrote and illustrated a graphic novel called Second Nature for Storm King Comics. Dennis Calero. Dennis Calero, welcome back to Sentimental. I'll take Dennis Killero. It's the spooky Dennis, season. That's right. Or Dennis. And I'm, I'm, I'm Killero. I got the skills to pay the kills. That's right, you baby. Can, you know, I, I sat for I sat for like a yeah, year ago, two years ago, whatever it was, and when I and everyone was doing the name change thing for Halloween, and I just uh, I was trying to figure out something with my name that would just it, that that rhymes and makes sense. I did I did Hova Kill for a while, but it was just that's pretty good. It that's was pretty good. Was, eh, I don't know. Anyway, Carolero is pretty. I have to admit that's pre- it's pretty easy. So I, I can't. I try to figure out a new one every year, but I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not going to be better than that. Like, this, right, it's just not right. going to do it. Yeah, unless you stumble across something. Very true. Um, so uh, lots to talk about tonight. So let's uh, suffer from consumption. Latham, any chance you watched anything this week? No, sir. I have nothing to report. <laughs> I have seen. Nothing. <laughs> so, so you're. I have seen sea beams glitter in the dark. <laughs> so 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 besides the fact that nothing else happened this week, not even anything happened involving your own television. <laughs> uh, no, nothing. Nothing did. No movies. No TV. Wow. Not, no Squid Game. Nope. I okay. Squid Game. So good. All right. It lives up to the hype. It really does. It does. It really does. It does. Uh, Hassan. Uh, I watched uh, the last uh, the season finale of uh, Lower Decks. Uh, f- from going from Wednesday to this Wednesday, the season finale of Lower Decks. Um, another episode of it? what we it was it was good. The whole season was good, but you gotta yeah. it's you gotta have that kind of taste. You know, you can't just say, "Hey, everybody should watch this." You really got to be a Star Trek fan, and then in right. that, be a Star Trek fan that's not cheesed off by the new star trek format right. sure, and, sure, sure. and then you be able to appreciate it because there's, there's so many easter eggs in it from all trek you know right. and some of them are really obscure so it's it's kind of a love letter to Trek, but 
it's not i don't know if it's for everybody good humor though if you also if you like rick and morty it's like rick and morty light you know it's a, it has yeah. that, that i wouldn't level mind of rick and morty light yeah that it has that level of absurdity that happens um you know but it's in within the confines of star trek absurdity so uh i i find it i find it entertaining that's that's me personally um last episode of uh of what if but i think we briefly touched on it last week yes i loved what if did you like it i did it's it's some of it i i like some of it more than the others but same thing i said about um of course kind of the same thing i said about the Daniel Craig Bond series, like there's more good than bad, and I right. and actually the bad is not bad, but right. it's uneven. I find it a little bit uneven. I think that's a very fair assessment. Oh boy, what else did I watch? I watched the another episode of uh, Why the Last Man. Another episode of uh, I found watched the season finale of of Evil. What? Holy shit! Um, listen, <laughs> I kept trying. There's a there is a scene in that last episode that is not a big spoiler, but I figured mm. I, if I could find a clip of this, I would be able to send it to Latham and Steve and explain the whole show. And I've been looking for the clip for, of that one scene all by itself. And it's not, it doesn't give anything away. It doesn't kind of right. ruin a, a surprise, but it, 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 it perfectly defines it encapsulates the entire yeah, series for you perfectly how bad shit that series is it really is crazy i like that shit <laughs> it is it is not for everybody it definitely isn't for everybody if, Wait, if what, you what like that shit you, what did you say out. before before evil what was the other thing that you talked about um that was uh, uh why the last man people Seem I haven't seen it. People seem iffy on that. How do you feel about the series? So far, so good. I never read the comic, so oh, like okay. I don't, I don't have any preconceived notions. It's kind of like when I watched Stallone's Judge Dread. I'm like, what's everybody upset about? You know, because <laughs> I never, I never read 2000 AD, and then I read 2000 AD. And I'm like, oh, brilliant. just brilliant! Holy crap! These these guys robbed us. It's kind of the same thing. Love it. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's moving. It seems to move. It seems like all the parts okay. are working. So you know, it, it it all depends. It needs to do something though, because it's closing in on the end. So it needs to needs to wrap this up. You know, I hear what uh, people people season. are complaining about is that the point of view has moved from the man, who in, in a sense would seem to be the obvious protagonist, uh, to the women in terms of. You're, you're a woman, half, you know, the men have all died and, and you're trying to recreate the world. And I can understand in this, in 2021, shifting that point of view. Also in 2021, I kind of feel like if all the men disappeared, it probably wouldn't be that difficult for all the women to just get shit straight. Like they would just kind of like go like, okay, let's just figure stuff out and it would be fine. Uh, I just feel like they would just figure it out. Maybe uh, maybe I'm sexist against my own gender, but I kind of feel like that's what would happen. Like it would just like like oh the men are all gone, and that's a problem. Why? Yeah, I was I was I was actually going to say like this this kind of uh, this show kind of disproves the myth of the fact that if there were no if women ran the world things would be fixed immediately because it ain't happening in the show. 
you know well it's, it, a fi- it's a fictional world so that's it's their this is their uh supposition well your mileage varies on whether or not i mean you know that's a that's a debate for another sure. time yeah but definitely a, uh it's a different conversation yeah, definitely. It's a it's it's a factor in that show that you know, look, bad cool, shit is bad cool. shit. You know, I watched a, the 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 thing that led me into evil, and I don't know if I talked about this before. It was probably something I forgot. The thing that kind of led me into evil was I finished the I watched the the final season of Goliath, which had dropped. Okay, which which I found way less bad shit than the third season of Goliath. So right. I would say watch Goliath season one and two, skip over season three, and go into season Come four. On. Yeah, it's not going to happen. All right. But you were warned. Um, okay. that's, the, that's the Billy Bob. That's the Billy Bob series. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm. Season three just makes no sense. It's just like, what, mm. what, are you guys, what are you guys trying to? Never mind. All right. Really? It, all, it all dropped together. So I'll just watch it all in and I'll just move on. I watched the Many Saints of Newark. I think I said that also. I watched. Um, What'd you think? Didn't you watch that last week? Yeah, we talked about. Yeah, that. you did all that last week. So, <laughs> am I in trouble? Like what? No. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> Lathan, Lathan what, watches what, what, nothing. What, what, Hassan gives <laughs> the same stuff for two weeks. Sometimes I watch things more than once. Oh, all right. Well. It's okay. Okay, that's, I think that's fair. Hassan's and my uh, point of view on things tend to tend to align more often Sometimes, than not. Which is crazy. I, I would say more often than not. Fair. It's yeah. It's it's okay. It's, um, didn't didn't move in any needles really. And that's it. I mean, there's some there's some superfluous things. Uh, and I watched a whole bunch of. I watch a whole bunch of toy reviews and all kinds of other shit that really is that doesn't bear uh, uh, announcing here. Toy um, did you get the Optimus yeah. Prime robot? No, I did not. I got it. You got that? I bought it. It's, it's coming to me right now. I can't wait. Is this the one that on. runs itself? It, yes. turns, it, transforms, can, it itself. transforms itself? Yeah. Although apparently the, the command to transform is not transform. It's to convert. And I'm like, what the fuck is this about? No. no. How no, dare no, no, you? No, 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 no. How dare you, toy company? You have to fix this. It How dare you give me an awesome toy, but then and then then slightly have one detail that I don't like, and now I'm it mad. It is not a converter. <laughs> it is a transformer. Pardon me, sir. They the have tran- to fix that. The transformers. But it looks, it looks it looks amazing. Like I wouldn't have together. bought it if I were you until they fix that particular problem. Now you've contributed. I, I, now you've you're complicit in the well, like many rich people, I believe that my money compels them to change things. So we'll see how that works. <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, yeah, probably not well. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. And then you know. Uh, that I think that covers it. I don't really think, and I, you know what? Typically, uh, while either Dennis or uh, Steve are in the middle of their rendition, you'll, you'll I'll remember, remember a show something. that. Yeah, um, I really do need to write it all down. I am a slacker. I do apologize. Whenever I have written it down, we've gotten through this really smoothly. But I, every every time, I don't remember to write it down until about ten fourteen uh, on Wednesday night. So that's that. That's, 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 that's it's pretty amazing considering we've been doing this for almost <laughs> I, I know. a year and eight months. I know you're lucky. I remember to watch our movies, like and and, and then you know 
especially uh especially dealing with the other uh you know the other happy go lucky nightmare that i gotta deal yeah, with but now, a, you're, now your mornings basis. are free on wednesdays how about that isn't that great <laughs> isn't that wait, what, oh wait what is the reference to what happened no okay? no no because you know they used to record their show on wednesday mornings. oh that's right that's but right and have to listen to it on in the evening to, so they could like comment as if they were doing it live yeah right but now yeah. we're doing it live now so you're now doing they... it live so yeah which makes that commenting makes a little a little less fun than it than it used to be. So I, I always have to, I'm always uptight about like looking like I'm commenting. So I'm always trying to like look attentive while I'm typing at the same time without without <laughs> filling the, the message. You're you're a, you're a consummate actor. I, I try. Yeah. I try. I know I'm not always successful, but I do try. <laughs> Should I go ahead and, and tell what I'm watching? Should I say that? Oh, oh please do. Thank you. <laughs> what we do in the shadows. Continues to excellent. be my favorite show on TV. Excellent, well absolutely done. excellent. Special effects, the, the special effects are minimal, but when they happen, they're amazing. Uh, very funny. Uh, I'm watching my friends uh, Kobe and Taryn on Impeachment. Uh, uh-huh. This is a good show, and they're great on it. I finished watching What If, which was I thought was really good, and I I I. Uh, I love the fact that the watcher in what if is black. You'll Either be happy. You'll I, be happy to know at Comic-Con, I did see the newest line of Marvel legends and it's all what if characters and the build a figure is the watcher. And he's black. Yes. That's wonderful. Uh, I think it's super cool. Uh, it's kind of orangey, but yeah, I, I, I wonder if they're kind of half stepping it a little bit, but it, it's, it's a choice and I, I like it. Uh, the actor is amazing. He's also uh, Felix Leiter in the James Bond movies. He's also amazing. Yes, mm-hmm. Always love that guy. Um, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, yes. Jeffrey Wright. Thank you, sir. Uh, Jeffrey Wright's always amazing. I saw the James Bond movie. I have thoughts I won't share here. <laughs> Even I, though I, I, think I have heard those thoughts. Overall, it's an entertaining film. And I think it's very well made, well shot. There are issues I have with it that will be shared at another time. Yeah, watch my Robert Meyer Burnett. He is not even slightly shy about his opinion of the. New oh team. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I will say, I will say, all the all the actors in it, particularly um, the 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 uh, Spanish actress Anna Diarmas, who plays yes, yeah. who plays the Cuban uh, special agent Paloma, who's just my daughter's name. Uh, I thought her scene was spectacular, and that scene in general was spectacular. Agreed. Daniel Craig is great, even though I don't always agree with his decisions. I think he's he's a terrific actor. I rewatched Mythic Quest and I finished watching. What's Mythic Quest? Oh, oh, Mythic Quest is terrific. It's an Apple Plus series oh. about uh, a, a video game company studio uh, making a game, and it's it's the most accurate depiction of business and art coming together to create a product that I've ever seen on television. It, it, it's, okay. it's amazing. And it's super funny. And I've cried. I cried several times when I watched it. It's terrific. And it's the kind of show that will do a bunch of funny episodes and then they'll go back in time and tell a really heartfelt story about something that happened in the past. Uh, and they just kill it. It's, it's, it's an incredible creation. It's a wonderful show. Okay. And I think that's, it. That's it. Okay. 
Uh, I just uh, I watched one movie this week uh, that was outside of the films we were watching for the show, which was a documentary last Saturday called Go Fast, Go North um, about a a a race that goes from Vancouver to Ketchikan, Alaska, and it's all amateur sailors. Is it a documentary or is this a, it's a, a document? It's a documentary. Film. It's a documentary. Okay. And it's uh, the they cannot have any kind of motor on the boat. It has to you have you either has to be uh, man powered or obviously sail uh, powered air wind power. So there's no motors allowed on any of the boats in the race. So there are people on paddle boards, there are people on kayaks, there are people on sailboats, there are, you know, that run kind of runs the gamut. So anyone can can do this race. So uh, it's just about this one group of uh, young sailors uh, who buy this boat and vintage boat, fix it up and try to do their best in this race. So What's it uh, called? it's called Go Fast, Go North. Uh, continuing on through NCIS season 12. Uh, I watched the entire first season of the morning show this week, uh, which is an Apple, Apple plus series, which is absolutely phenomenal. You recommended it to me and I appreciate that. Thank you. It's terrific. And I watched the, we watched the entire first or the, well, we watched the entire, uh, ep- nine episodes of squid game. So, uh, which is, was kind terrific. of, kind of amazing in and of itself. So, it's uh, it starts off. I mean, the way Dennis sold it to me, I was like, OK, I'm in because he had already they had already watched it or they had already started it uh, when he told me to watch it. And basically, by the second episode, it's the, his explanation of it to me actually completely undersold what it, <laughs> what, it what it would eventually become. But, yeah, it was just a, a phenomenal piece of work. Perfect. The uh, like similar to mayor of East town, the guy who created it has said that because of course the first question he got, you know, once this blew now that this is blown up to Netflix is like most watched original series ever. He uh, you know, the first question was, is, you know, when see when, when season two coming and, <laughs> and, and he just goes, there's, there's no season two. It was never yeah. supposed to be a season Story. two. It Story's ne- done. It was never yeah. designed to be he goes that's not saying i what one couldn't be done he goes but honestly he goes this took so much out of me he goes i'm going back to feature films and he goes i don't know that i personally would do another series because yeah. it just it took so much out of him i don't doubt it and then we watched a three-part new true crime thing on netflix called house of secrets the barari murders where this uh, entire family, three generations of people living in uh, Delhi, India, uh, they somebody showed up at their house and all 11 of them were dead, hanging from the same grate in the ceiling. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was just a fucking, it's a fucking crazy story. The problem... What is this? It's called, it's called House of Secrets, the Barari murders. It's uh, just okay. three, it's, it's three episodes. The one problem I had with it without giving anything away about what happened or anything is it becomes, it becomes essentially a platform on mental illness in the third episode. And I just, uh, you can tell where they're going with it when you're watching the second episode and then you've still got a whole 42 minute episode or 49 minute episode where they just focus on that. And it just, it's a little dry. It's towards the end. You're just like, all right, we get it. We get, we get your point. But the story itself is just, 
kind of amazing when you did the first two the first two episodes are really really kind of interesting and then the third episode like i said you you know where they're going before you get there and then once you're already there when they start but then they just kind of drone on about it so so i won't but uh you know definitely watch the first two episodes and maybe like the first 10 minutes of this last one and you'd be good and uh and that was it uh not not uh not much consumed this week it was uh busy with a lot of other things so and, oh, uh, I, I should I should mention that I've been watching Foundation, which right with some with some concerns I'm really enjoying, and Lee, Lee Pace specifically is incredible. He normally is. He is. Uh, he's yes. he, he's a reason. He's generally for me. He's a reason to watch something. Yes. Like I watched he's all amazing. four seasons of Halt and Catch Fire simply because he was in it. Uh, I mean, once I got past the first you know, part of the first season, I was hooked in the show. Uh, and that's a really good show to but, watch that. But he was the one that caused me to actually go watch it. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, I guess we've suffered enough. <clears throat> so uh, an interesting, an interesting two films this evening. Uh, I don't know that we'll actually break them up like we normally will, because there's a little bit of of almost compare and contrast going on, but there's a, there's some other stuff happening. So uh, we'll see how this goes uh, for Dennis's uh, initial film pick is the, the classic 1931 Dracula. I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon, something so incredible I mistrust my own judgment. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula. The original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat, and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dear? Tell he, me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms, and he made me drink. Directed by Todd Browning with a running time of 74 minutes. Arguably the most well-known vampire movie based on the Hamilton Dean stage adaptation of the most well-known vampire novel by Bram Stoker and first of the classic Universal Monsters film series with a timeless iconic turn by Bela Lugosi as the titular creature of the night out to capture his true love. Now, Dennis's twist on this is he had us watch the original 1931 film, but he asked us to watch it with the 1999 produced uh, score that was commissioned by Universal uh, from Philip Glass, uh, featuring the Kronos Quartet doing essentially a live score for the entire film. Now, think about how in the silent film era, you know, you used to have music playing roughly the entire time through a movie because there was no there was no talking. So it was just music playing. And then you know, the other the title cards would come the, the cards with either dialogue or exposition would come up in between the scenes and you'd see people's mouths move. But obviously they weren't getting in. All you're getting was just straight music. 
So when the conversion over to talking films started, the studios had a lot of really weird ideas about how how music and sound would play together in a film. And this film essentially doesn't have a score. It only has music playing at the beginning, which is a, an excerpt from Swan Lake for the opening kind of the opening title credits for this film. And then there's music in the background of a scene when he goes to meet the doctor and his family uh, at the opera. And the reason behind this was, is the studio didn't feel that people would would they would either get confused or they wouldn't understand why there was music playing in the background if they were somewhere like out like walking down the street or something was happening in an operating theater or something was happening in a tomb. Uh, they didn't understand the, the strength of music underlying with film uh, during this time. So there was no real score. Um, so anyway, uh, this was the first time I had watched it this way, but uh, Dennis uh, explain why you, you had us do this. Well, first of all, I love this original f- film and um so much of the film was in the early days of, uh, you know, cinema. And I think Todd Browning had a lot of really good ideas, some of which the studio pushed back on him. Um, and there was a lot of stuff that we take for granted. But as you said, I think that people, audiences didn't understand the idea of a score and the idea that music would be playing in parts of the film where music wouldn't naturally be in the environment was very confusing for a lot of people. So I understand that. But the idea that Philip Glass would create a sort of modern score for this film 60, 70 years later, whatever it was, was an incredibly compelling idea for me. Um, Plus the fact that it's incredibly well done. It's just, it's a beautiful new score. And I think um, takes what was done uh, and accentuates it. The the fact that there's two versions of the film that we're going to talk about tonight uh, is incredibly, as I say, compelling to me um, because it's not about comparing the two. Uh, both have their strengths and both have their weaknesses, and they're fascinating for the choices um, that, that all of the cast and all of the, and the two directors would would make for each version of the film. And the fact that on top of that, you layer this composer to make a version, to make a score for this film uh, decades later is a fascinating idea to me. And and the fact that the score is so well done speaks to this idea of art being this thing that people can meet over decades and layer on top of each other, layer on top, layer on top. as a sort of artistic discussion that goes on and on and on is fascinating to me. So this to me uh, makes this film fascinating uh, above just, just the fact that as a, as a film, it's fantastic, but as a cinematic conversation, so to speak, um, it's incredible to me. And uh, I, I just love it. I, I love the shit out of this so much. And I hope you guys liked it too. It's uh I agree with you on half of that. Uh, I really, really liked the Philip Glass score with the Chronos Quartet. I thought it was really, really, uh, it, the sound of it, it was wonderful. I thought that 
unfortunately, in more places than not, it felt way too overpowering and completely out of place. I feel okay. like I feel like he composed a bunch of really great music for this. And then either somebody there like there are no cues like all it's like every music. There's no musical cues. So it's like it's just music playing through it. Like they're just like it's like you'd go and see a film. You know, it's like there's a theater, the revival theater up by us um, called the Lafayette. Uh, in Suffern, New York, where they play old, old movies and they have an original uh, pipe organ uh, in the theater uh, from, from the turn of the century that, that completely works. And there's a guy who comes in and plays it like before the, the, you know, the showings of older movies. Now, in some cases, what they've done is they'll show silent films and he'll live play the original music from the from the silent film over that rather than having it play on the screen so this is like that but with an updated that like somebody wrote all this great music and laid it on top of it but they didn't bother to watch the movie at the same time i kept watching this and there was just points where it's like why is the music doing this and i just it felt it just felt really discombobulated to me. It did not feel like somebody thought through the process. And I, and a few times in the movie, I, I paused it. I, I went back to the other audio track to watch and watch the scene again, you know, and that was kind of before I realized that there was literally almost no music in this film at all. So it's like, it didn't really matter. Everything was just background noise. Um, and I, I still, there are points of it that it's really fitting. And I think that with a little creative editing that something like this, well, like you said, would be very, very interesting and it'd be very compelling. And I think it would be very successful. I don't think this application is. I think this is a really cool piece of music or a really cool bunch of music over a, a classic film. But I don't feel the thought was put into it to make it a cohesive unit and that's that was my that's about the one thing i took away from how dare you <laughs> <laughs> no i can totally i can totally see that point of view i mean clearly i think glass was saying uh, to himself this is i'm, I'm gonna make something that's gonna be its own thing yeah uh, and it, it could absolutely be argued that it doesn't blend into the film cohesively at every turn sure um I still think it's beautiful. I still think it's the music is. I, is I would thing. I would download this music and 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 listen to this as a soundtrack. You know, I I the music itself is fantastic. I don't know if it's ever been released as on its own as yes, a it has. Okay. Latham, had you had you seen the original 31 Dracula before? No. Okay. So this is your so this was your first introduction to it then. Yeah, I'd never seen the movie before. Okay. <laughs> really? Uh, no, never, never passed it. Never, never saw it in film class. Never saw it on my own. I, I've never thought the story of Dracula is that interesting, to be honest with you. Uh, okay. Nor Frankenstein, nor any of the older horror um, monster movie stuff. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I was never into it. I did like Francis Ford Coppola's movie. Um, that's the only version I've seen besides this one, I think. So with Philip Glass, 
if you, if, this is just going to echo Steve's point, but with, with Philip Glass, uh, he did a movie call or he did the, the score for a movie called Koyana Skatsi, which is right. really, really visual. You know, it's visually driven and 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 the sound complements it. But in that movie, his his cues are precise and and they it's it's why I like that movie so much. The combination of the images and his score, and I, I agree with Steve here. I just don't think. I think it's trying. It, it, it's like someone had a great idea. They composed some music, and they just didn't bother to go that last step and put it in the right place at times. And that it really took me out of watching the the movie, which I had never seen before. So right. now I want to watch the you know watch watch it a third time <laughs> uh, with the with the original. Without without this score, I, I will agree the music at times is is pretty well orchestrated, and there's certain parts where it does work well, but it just becomes a distraction. And yeah. I, I I don't I guess I guess people who have an affinity for this movie from watching it in the past or have seen it so many times is gonna are gonna have an easier time adapting to listening to this new score and and having their brain find a way to enjoy it more but <laughs> seeing this for the first time with this it was a, i don't want to say a turn off but it was it was close it was it was bothersome at times as as far as the movie goes i mean uh, i don't know much about the director but i mean he's a little bit ahead of his time here with some of the stuff he's doing absolutely so, and that's that that was fun to watch. And obviously Lugosi is, you know, I mean, he some people are just born to do something, and he was <laughs> born to do this. And those are the two biggest strengths of the film. I think it's good. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's great, but again, I have to see it. Uh, I want to see the original version without that score. I, I feel like i've I've cursed you people. By making you watch this, because, because I can understand, I can understand the concept that if, if you're someone that is very steeped in that original version, the Philip Glass version is um, really interesting. <coughs> Excuse me, but if you're not, I can understand the idea that like this is a bit much. If I've never seen any version of this film at all, I. I absolutely see that a hundred percent uh and it makes me feel bad i feel i feel guilty that that i didn't present this to you guys i can be objective about it and watch the original version and and separate it from this this right you should uh and i i probably will though i mean the movie's what only an hour 15 I yeah think, something like yeah. that so it, it's it's able to be done i mean you could watch all three three versions of this film and it's still shorter than that goddamn woodstock movie we had to fuck <laughs> So, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to, but uh, I mean, you know, some of the lighting in this movie is like, wow, it's like, I, I'm imagining the shot setups and, and how, you know, back then with things being less technological, how long it took to get something to look a certain way. And that just tells me Browning was like, ahead of his time and just really, really 
had a had a vision and he and he ran with it and uh smart guy smart guy and uh yeah so i you know uh basically i agree with what steve said i just think with the score it's a little bit uh uh demanding more of you as a viewer to con- you know oh sometimes it like goes over i don't know that that it's it the cues are or it, it the cues are out of not only out of place, but they're kind of like they're in the wrong place to intrusive. Where yeah, intrusive. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so I, I can't I can't disagree with that. But but it's you know it's I'd always wanted to see this movie, so I'm glad I'm glad I watched. Hassan, have it? Uh, have you seen the uh, the the original Dracula before? A long time ago. Um, around the same time when uh, Coppola movie came out there was like that big fervor to you know to show every iteration of dracula right from uh from the frank langella uh 1970 <laughs> version all the way up so i i managed to watch uh but it was a, but i had forgotten most of it because it's um it's a very subtle movie it's it's not a it's not an eventful movie you know there's not a lot of it's not a lot of giant set pieces in it or anything like that <laughs> uh there's a lot of eye acting yep in this movie. <laughs> and i think i sent a, a, a message to uh steve and latham i'm like yeah dracula's not subtle you know like he's <laughs> he's not he's not just fresh into town and, and trying to blend in he's like He's right off the boat and intense staring his way through. Uh, I'm here and I'm back yeah. here, bitch. Yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, the problem, the only problem with that is once you notice that, you can't unnotice when he's doing that. It's like he's doing the, he's doing the eye thing again. And you just try I to mean, look he away. Was a, he was a stage actor. Yeah, it's fine. It, it's it's charming. It's part of the charm of the, of, of, of the, the era and the uh, and the style of movie making, I do agree with um, with Stephen Latham about the music. As whereas I was a little less uh, disturbed by it or or uh, uh, disoriented by it, I it I definitely knew this this was not original movie music for the piece. Now, sure. on, on top of knowing that this was the score that was specifically added after the fact, hearing the score continuously remind you that this is not part of the you know part of the original production it's i i did like it there are some scenes where it really works really well with it and i always like to be fair to be fair to the composer Hmm. (laughs) to be fair to the composer you're not going to create a score 67 years after that's going to feel like it's of a piece with the film (laughs) as made in 1931 you're just not going to do that because it's not going to make any sense. Right. But specifically, but, but, specifically for this viewing, the, the score was obviously part of the, was, was supposed to be part of the experience. I, I'm yeah. not down on the score by any stretch of the imagination, but it does. It did. It did cut in every now and then to like, well, okay. Like it, because sometimes the score makes you feel like it's setting you up for something. And then, Nothing really happens, and you're like, oh, oh right. that's very fair. That's very fair. <laughs> In times sure. where you'd expect a score to be rising for something happening, you know, that you can see coming and you expect the score to come up, all of a sudden it's fading out, and you're like, what? He's, he's, Glass is definitely doing 
in places his own thing. Right. And, and not genuinely sticking to the text in terms of what's happening in the film. Yeah. For sure. I, I agree with that. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, uh, oh, this is going to be a bad analogy. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like the Star Wars uh, uh, special edition. Whereas if you've seen something so many times in its original form, anything that's slightly new or shiny is going to change the experience just a little bit. So I can imagine if you were a huge Dracula, this movie, Dracula fan, and and someone added a new and very thoughtful and very uh, evocative, emotionally evocative soundtrack to it where there was no soundtrack before. I can I can imagine that changing the, your entire perspective on the movie, you know. So the the and I do I had seen the movie before, but I don't remember whether or not I don't remember any of the music, whether or not there was music or not. Um, today was kind of hectic, so I didn't get a chance to do as like Steve does did, which is just switch back and forth just to see how a, a shot would have been without the music versus how a shot is with the music. Okay. I I basically just watched it. Um, with that score and just understood that you know that that the score was supposed to be part of the experience of watching it uh, per this you know what we're doing here right now I, I did enjoy it I think I, I enjoy the movie I think the movie is um is very subdued I think it's I know it's the first of its kind so there's there there isn't a lot of rising and falling action you know I mean they they kind of spoiler they they spoiler the good the good guys win they get Dracula spoiler um what? I think I think yeah there's like nine hundred other Dracula movies after yeah, this one but you know they get him at the end I just I just want to be I just want to make sure I've I've done my due diligence and, yeah um but like all of the deaths in this movie off screen right and it's yeah. like. It's like, wow, that's really interesting. Like when the credits rolled or when the end came up, right? It's like, wow, that's just really. Now, theoretically, everybody in the, in the audience was already, was already weakened with like sensory overload because they'd never seen anything like this before, right? Uh, right, right. And they're so, talking, sure. Yeah, this they would new. not have been able to, they would not have been able to, to deal with an, uh, a stake actually going into the chest of Bella Lugosi. No. So, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, so I get it, but it was it's still just, you know, just coming off of a contemporary, like, 21st century um, sensibility. I'm like, holy shit, like, we didn't even see the guy die, you know? I've been yep. with this guy the entire film. I didn't even see him die. However, there's some <clears throat> unbelievable special effects in this film, and the, and the cinematography is just really gorgeous. Like, the matte, you know, like, the forced perspective, matte paintings, this kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. I, I think <laughs> I don't remember feeling sorry for Renfield in my original viewing, but holy <laughs> fuck, he gets yeah. fucked. Yeah, I just, he gets fucked. I, I'm like, because I, you know what? And what's really weird is that they don't even mention that it's Renfield until he gets to the castle. So the entire time, I'm like. Well, Harker makes it, so you know I don't have to worry about this guy. You know, as 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 dark as uh, in it, 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 you know, as things are getting for this guy, he's going to be all right. And then, and then Dracula says, "Mr. Renfield," I'm like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> this, this guy's not coming out of this at all." 
You know, yep. in fact, it's going to get worse and worse and worse for him. So yeah, there was there was that was like holy shit. Like I never I didn't realize how like utterly sympathetic the guy was in the beginning. Although he does have that very very famous horror trait of everybody telling him not to go somewhere and him like nope I'm going. <laughs> you know the 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 thing that doesn't mesh very much, but it's the minor it's the most minute nitpick. <laughs> how did he get the coachman to actually take him up there? Because like everybody was so adamant about not going right. that I, I well, can't the, even the imagine the, the, the coachman is Dracula. No, 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 no. no, no. no. The, the coachman that... it took him to the meeting place. Took oh, him to yes. Borgo Pass. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Also, yes. like, fuck you, movie. There's no way it could, uh, <laughs> there's no way a horse and buggy are gonna be able to make it through a mountain pass in the middle of the night in in Romania. Beautiful. You know, there's no lights on anything, right? There's no there's no way. Maybe you could uh, theoretically say that the horse the horses themselves can see and they they'll guide you, but that no, f that. Moonlight. But anyway, it doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's really <laughs> and I think the scene in and of itself, considering that that's all the soundstage. The, even yeah. the scene where they the, the two carriages meet, and we see the um, we see Har- uh, excuse me uh, Renfield's carriage come uh, into forward into the, from the from the background into the foreground and just kind of veer off, and right. the guy just throws his luggage, <laughs> and <laughs> we're, we're we're meant to we're meant to to uh, to conclude that Renfield got out of the back. but basically the way the shot is done, you know he was really just standing there waiting on his on his ex waiting for the carriage to go by so he could step up into well, the frame, which is fine. But it's, I think it's really framed wonderfully. Yeah. And, and so it, I, the film in and of itself is just ridiculous and a ridiculous accomplishment. I'm surprised. I know we're, not, we're, we're supposed to talk about this later. I'm surprised that the Spanish version actually expands on it a lot yeah. more. Um, well, in certain sequences and certain, certain uh, aspects of it uh, just, just because of what it was, I know it was like kind of a competition between the two productions of, uh, you know, them watching. It, it, it became it became that. Yeah. Um, but also the Spanish version wasn't as limited in many ways in terms of the censors yeah. that the American was. I mean, the American version had, had armadillos <laughs> instead of actual rodents. I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But can, can we all agree that the best version of Dracula was the 1992 Mike Mignola comic book adaptation of Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula because that is the best version of Dracula that's ever been. I've never it's read ju- it. It's just, it's just gorgeous. It's just I, amazing. I it's, it. the, it's the best version of Dracula that's ever existed outside of the original novel. Here's a question for all three of you, though. Why was there a, a bee coming out of a coffin what what was that supposed to be about? Uh, <laughs> it was like a literally a, a, I a have no answer for that bumblebee coming out of a car, and it, it it's in both versions of the movie. Yeah, I have no answer for that. All yeah, right, that's... I don't know why you would give a bumblebee a coffin, and if you did so, I don't know why the bumblebee would would deign to actually use the coffin uh, regularly enough to come out of the coffin at the same time that you come out of your coffin, being a vampire. It's fine. I just wondered if there was anything to it's, it. It's fine. I, I didn't. Uh, I did not find anything out about the bumblebee shots uh, that uh, that would be of of any great interest. Outside my research area, I'm sorry. 
And that's like that's yeah. that's one of those unfortunate <laughs> moments while you're watching a movie and you're kind of somewhat you're, like, huh. you're, you're almost a little distracted and you happen to look up exactly at that moment. You're like, is that a fucking bumblebee coming out of a coffin? Why does a bumblebee have its own? I know, coffin? I know what you mean. I know what you Bumblebees mean. Bumblebees aren't usually solo. Why is this bumblebee a whole low? <laughs> some, some interesting stuff, some interesting things during the production of this, um, which will which will go right into the other film. So Todd Browning is listed as the as the credited director for this film. Originally, so so Bela Lugosi started portraying Count Dracula uh, in the Hamilton Dean adaptation of the novel on the stage in 1927, hmm. and he had played that role. Before, and toured the country playing that role in a traveling stage version of this. And it was a huge success. And that's what led a very initially, that's what led Universal to wanting to get the rights and make this a film. Now, their original plan was to produce a longer, larger, more true to the original novel version of Bram Stoker's Dracula. But coming out of the depression, they decided that spending that uh, that amount of money or the suspected that amount of money to for that kind of creation wasn't going to be wasn't going to pay him back. And they had no idea what making this kind of film would do. So they they decided to adapt Hamilton Dean's stage play and version instead, which is what we have. So it's not necessarily a true version of the Stoker novel, but actually of the stage play now. So they brought Todd Browning in to direct this. And originally, the idea was they were going to have Lon Chaney Sr. play Count Dracula. But he passed away and was not obviously not around for that. And apparently Todd and Lon Chaney were had gone way back together. And so during the filming of this movie, after Bela Lugosi uh, lobbied for and was given the part, given the lead role, who was then asked by Universal to go to the Stoker family to try and see if they would reduce the amount of money that they would take in order for Universal to get the rights to make this into a film. Uh, and he was able to talk them down from the original two hundred thousand dollars that they wanted down to forty, with Bella Lugosi having been at you know been playing Dracula for the last however many years on the road, and uh, so the studio, which is obviously very happy with that, and you know is another reason why he got the role. The problem was was Browning was still lamenting over Lon Chaney's death when they were filming this. And he would just he would get very morose. He would get very quiet. He would walk off the set in like in the middle of production. And he would just he would he would be looking through the script and he would just tear pages out that he thought were redundant and just crumple them up and throw them away. So Carl Freund, the cinematographer of this film. Is now actually credited with co-directing it because there were whole chunks of this film that he actually stepped in. And just took over and did the direction on because Todd Browning was just not there mentally, mentally or physically. And it's paid off because two years later, Carl Freund directed The Mummy. Now, Todd Browning's next film after this one, which I would argue is his best, but we'll get to that, you know, is another thing entirely. You know, I mean, both of these guys, I mean, uh, the, the guy who directed 
let's do this. So as part two of what Dennis is, what Dennis wanted us to do was to, because I think that these movies kind of go hand in hand, obviously, for very obvious reasons. The second part of, of the movie, or the second part of the watching of this was the, was the 1931 Spanish version of Dracula, which was filmed on the exact same sets at the exact same time. It was directed by George Melford. It had a running time of 104 minutes. Yes. Now, what I find interesting was, is Todd Browning said later uh, in an interview that his version of Dracula ran, he said, quite a bit longer. And the studio was the one that made him cut all this stuff out, which especially in that first kind of first 25, 30 minutes of the movie makes it it's a little choppy. They kind of just like it's piece, piece, piece before you kind of get into the flow of the movie and you can really see where they took some stuff out. And when you watch the Spanish version, I think it not only does it move along better or, you know, flow better just overall throughout the entire film. I mean, in the first in, in Todd Browning's version in 10 minutes, you're back in England. Whereas in the Spanish version, it's almost the 28 minute mark before you're, heading back to England and Carfax Abbey. So it's, it's an interesting thing to compare, not only, not only in the, in the view of the film, because some shots are exactly the same. And there's a great, there's a great compare and contrast on the, uh, on the DVD, uh, on the Blu-ray about the, about the restoration process. There's some really good comparison shots of like the, the English version and the Spanish version with their, with their, their, their scenes side by side. And how those scenes kind of came together and looking literally identical. But there's a lot of it when you're watching it. And it's really, and I have to say, it's really fun watching these back to back because when you've got that one fresh in your mind, you can literally see the differences in the choices they made because they would come in. Dracula, the English Dracula would shoot all day. The Spanish crew would show up in the evening and they would kind of watch them do setups and whatnot, but then they would start working and they would shoot all night on the exact same sets. And the studio, in order to save money, wanted this thing shot in order. So this movie was shot, how movies rarely are anymore, in order, start to finish. So, you know, these guys were able just to utilize every single set that they used uh, for double duty for this, which apparently was done quite a bit, but this is the, but most of those foreign language versions of, of version of American films that were done back then, they only had a few copies that were made for international markets and they never came back. So those copies were just long gone. So there's a bunch of times that this actually happened, but we just don't have the record of them. There's also, there's also a, a story. There's also stories where, which, which may be apocryphal where, uh, Carlos Viradias, who played Count Dracula, Conde uh, Dracula, in the Spanish version, would watch uh, Bell Lugosi. Yes. The film of scenes. And Bell Lugosi said, well, wait a minute. I, I, want, I want the chance to see what this actor is doing with the part so that I could <laughs> adapt. And, and maybe that's apocryphal, but it, that's the story that he also demanded that, hey, can we change the shooting schedule so that I could also watch uh, Carlos do what he's doing so that I could also adapt it into what I'm doing in my performance, which, which goes on to my love of these two films, not as much as uh, competing with each other, 
but as reflecting from each other and and trying to be um, the best version of themselves that they could be. Uh, that the best version being uh, the Mike Mignola comic from 1992, because that's, that's that's the best version of Dracula that's ever been. Thank you, uh, Latham. What do you think of the Spanish version of this? I, I don't know. I think there's certain shots in this one that are uh, better because of the different actor. Agreed. Um, that makes any sense. I think there's because a bunch of, of shots. In, I think there's a bunch of shots in this film that are better than the American version because of the either the high, either the the foresight of being able to see what was done that day and then yeah, change things sure. up. Yeah, or it's, it's, yeah, you're right. Exactly. It's it's like they it's like they got a primer on what to do and then they got to shoot. So mm-hmm. just by just by luck, you're going to have improvements. Uh, just by statistically trying, you're going to have improvements. I kind of like the I I like it being shorter, better. I don't know if I agree that this one flows better, but it definitely has um, certain shots and scenes that uh, that that come out or or pop out a little bit more than the other one. But I think the director, the directorial style of Browning overall is better uh, than what's the name of the guy who directed this? George Um, Melford. Melford, yeah. He was not Spanish? No, never no. didn't speak Spanish, didn't understand Spanish. American director. <laughs> yeah. He had yeah. been he had been directing films since like 1909 or something. He like 200 230 directing credits of this guy. That's an interesting dynamic then and um you know, I I I just uh I think you almost have to I'm glad I watched it concurrently because that's how you pick up on all this stuff and, right yeah you know if you you put years between when you you know if you saw dracula when you were younger and then and then oh there's a spanish version i'll check it out there's no way you're going to remember everything or notice everything without comparing exactly the two films but um it I, it's almost like an interesting uh uh two-fold story i mean it's uh, uh, like Maybe and that's maybe why Dennis chose these two together. It's like the whole thing is wrapped up in this giant production story of how they did it. Yes. And so it's better to you appreciate each film more by watching them, like I said, uh, one after the other. So uh, I I would still say I like the the version, even with the Philip Glass score better than the spanish version okay but i would i'm guessing i'm probably going to like the original even better than both of these so yes possibly yes but i don't want to say it before i watch it so right on um but it's interesting that this far back in time in movie making that they chose to do this i think that's the most interesting thing is yes it's a money saver and yes also a, a way to make more money because you're hitting two big audiences, but right. Uh, the idea is I mean, it's, it's fascinating to consider it's time. It was cheaper to just remake the movie at the same time with Spanish actors than because subtitles or uh, dubbing was just not feasible. I mean, that's right. incredible. You know? Yeah. yeah it was, it was like, that, no, that concept. Subtitles? Yeah. No, let's just shoot the whole movie again with Spanish actors at night when everyone's gone on the same sets, and this will be much easier. That's incredible. Makes sense. 
He's very forward thinking as far as cinema is concerned in 1931. So yes, uh, that's that's an interesting aspect of it. Um, yeah, they, I mean, but the Spanish version has its its own charm. It's a little bit. Uh, oh, I don't know the adjective for it. Uh, thanks to the main actor, it's more. Uh, Hassan, what what adjective did you use on that? text but the uh you didn't put it put on subtle. the text subtle yeah. not not he's, subtle he's not, not subtle, subtle. No. Not yeah subtle. <laughs> he's definitely yeah for as for as unsubtle as dracula is in the english version there are there are a lot more instances of the spanish actor being less subtle than that even yeah yeah he's trying he's to pop him or something yeah because yeah, he'd my... turn around and just be like mom yeah, so my critique was <laughs> not. I'm a, I'm, was, a, oh, I'm a Dracula. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not get that? I'm a total Dracula. Total Dracula. <laughs> Bed your neck over it because this is going to happen right now. My critique was not on any one of those actors. It was, it was both of them. It was like, wow, Everybody. Dracula just, yeah, Dracula just shows up. <laughs> and, just and, and to I'm, I'm a total Dracula. Like, yeah, bed your neck over, baby. He, he just, he just eye splains his way through the entire movie. <laughs> like, you know, like. Um, there's a couple of situations I where he swear. just he just stares at someone and they just completely like physically back off or comply with everything. I wish I had the, the skill, but uh, but there's I nothing subtle about the it. Best phrase ever. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I love yeah. it. He does a lot of ice playing. Do ice But yeah, sorry, Latham. No, that's uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's. I almost find the story of the making of the films more interesting than the story of Dracula. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But I'm just I, I'm biased against. It. I just never thought Dracula was that interesting of a of a story. Similar to like, I know how important Romeo and Juliet is to uh, the history of of writing plays, but I don't think that story is very interesting either. So, uh, that's my that's my view. There's a lot of older stories that really are, I think, are over-revered. And then if you break them down to their basic plot line, they're just really not that special. Uh, okay. um, I'm going to just say for the record, uh, I love watching both these films in tandem. I really do. I, 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 yeah. I think that... It's almost essential. I, I think that every year I watch them both back to back because wow, they're, they're, they're both speaking to the same thing uh, in a way that feels each, each of them has something special to say that is valid. Okay. And I, I have to hear it all the time. And, and that's, and I think that, how do I, how do I put this? Um, you know, I, I hear your criticisms, and I think that the criticism, uh, the criticisms, are all valid. Um, but I just, I love this story, and I think that each of these versions, the way that they approach them in a different way, illuminates them in a way yeah. that uh, that one version wouldn't, it just couldn't do. Uh, and that's why I love them both. I, I love them both. I love uh, this, the Spanish version, and the Bram Stoker's. I think they're all speaking to the same story and like a in a way deal. that, yes, absolutely. And, and, and makes me, each version 
illuminates every other version for me. It, 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 it points out things about the other versions that I think that are valid and interesting and beautiful. Uh, and it just, they make me happy. That's, yeah, it's, it's got a, definitely, it sounds like a nostalgic feel for you uh, because you watched, you probably Absolutely. watched it for the first time a long time ago. Yes, I'd love to. I would love to. At some point, Latham, you'll have to watch the uh, the rest of the original Universal Monsters films. I mean, they're they're easy, quick watches because they're all like barely. I mean, Frankenstein's barely over an hour, and there's just. I mean, they're 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 fast watches, and they're 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 really. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, the, you know, Invisible Man, the Mummy, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Right. Creature from the Black Lagoon came along much much later, but uh, you know, the Wolfman. I mean, all those, the originals of all those that are just build the foundation of what... I, I, I'm actually a big fan. I, this is not popular, but I'm a big fan of the Tom Cruise mummy because I, I feel <laughs> like it's... it's try, I know, I know. I no, know. I'm it's just... A lot better but, than the Brendan Fraser version, that's for sure. That's oh, stop yourself. Oh, come on. That's, oh, that's a terrible version. I love, terrible. I love that it, stuff. My, my review of it is, it's like watching a video game you can't play. Yep. Why? Why are you hurting me so badly? Why do you hate me so much? <laughs> you, you're killing my heart. I'm gonna, look for, I'm gonna look for clues on your Zoom behind you. Find other ways to poke at you. Latham, have you seen the movie Speed Racer? <laughs> yes. Did oh you? Look, what did you think Speed of Speed Racer? Speed Racer's great. Oh. Speed what? You and I have a you and I have a kind brother. He loves Speed, Speed Racer. Amazing. So Speed Racer got, mummy. got unfairly ripped. That's a that's I, a quality I beginning agree with to you. So the Tom Cruise mummy, I feel like has the spirit of the original with some action beats. And I'll say this. It's made by people who love the original, who understand why the original mummy was special to people. And I get why people don't like it. I understand why people don't connect with it. But for me, I love it. And I also love Speed Racer. Speed Racer is great. Okay. Uh, Hassan, did you have any other thoughts on the Spanish version? Had you seen the Spanish version before? No, I never saw the Spanish version. I think, you know what? You have to, you have to. Que mas, que mas. <laughs> you got to really be into this film. <laughs> yeah, like at what level like intermediate level like you got, i mean, level, to, I mean like to, level. i'll i'll get there man um to to be to watch them back to back right and to to because look there's a level of forgiveness that you have to that you that that is essential because this is the first of its kind. So the first of its kind has, you know, you're coming off. It's like it's the Blade Runner effect, right? You've seen, I've seen every ripoff of this movie in existence to come back to this, to the evolutionary beginning of, of where I left off and to have like, there's no rising and falling ashes. I mean, look, everybody's real casual about the possibility that there's a vampire in here that he might be fucking people up on a uh, left and right, you know? And, you know, people are dying, you know, Lucy's dead and, you know, wandering around doing horrible things. Yeah, even and after everyone... Van Helsing outs him in a room full of people. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you know what? He, hey, you, that you, was strange. Yeah. Your boy over here just turned into <laughs> your, your boy just turned into a dog and just you're ran across boy. the lawn. And uh, you we ain't gonna... are a Dracula. 
Yeah, and then and then Van Helsing's like, oh, he probably thought we were gonna follow him. And I'm like, why aren't you though? I mean, like he's what's he gonna do? So it's not it's not a negative. It's not a negative at all, but it they I just mean, are, take... you gonna, are you gonna follow a Dracula? Listen, it's not my job to follow Dracula. It's Van Helsing's fucking job to follow Dracula. That's true. Because if he didn't want to know whether or not there was a Dracula, he wouldn't have tried his really clever mirror trick in the middle of a party that could have gotten all his boys killed. Because right. if Dracula decided to get real salty about that, no one would have walked out of that room alive. There's a Dracula. Any boys. No, no, now you're a Dracula. Yes. You're right. You're right. I'm just saying, like, so so it's not a negative. I'm saying that because of the because of the nature of what it was, because it's the first of its kind, because it's the first it's the first um, telling of a story in that nature of a live action. And and it seems to me uh, and pretty much the way the entire genre was and probably the way the, the way all of Hollywood was all the way up to, you know, the hundred years that um, that it took us to get here. It was very much aware of how temperate the the audience tolerance was going to be, right? So it's like, all right, we we can't we can't obviously we can't do this book in this in this movie, right? And of course, they didn't have the rights to it, so they so they uh, they used the play. But even when they made the play, they were like, yeah, we can't do this book in this play. We can't have people sitting here watching oh, Dracula. No, no, no. no. Dracula eat yeah, yeah. people on yeah. a boat, you know, for ten minutes. I mean, if you've ever read that book, the Demeter scene is like, yes, like it's like twelve pages of like just people getting ripped to pieces, you know, by Dracula. And this one guy is like, yeah, I just lost my friend Bill last night. I don't know where he is. You know, it's a small boat. Shouldn't have been able <laughs> yeah. to lose Bill that easily. I looked at but... the front part of the boat <laughs> yeah. yesterday. I guess I'll check the back part of the boat yeah. today. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm coming it's to the conclusion. Dracula. I'm coming to the conclusion that Bill ain't here no more, you know, and then neither is George and neither is Tim. And, you know, and it's when you're reading it as a kid, it's freaking scary, you know, that just because it's not you're not seeing the guy do anything. You're just you're, you're you're watching a really desperate and terrified person piece together what's been happening to all his friends. And then and then he comes to the conclusion at the very end that there's no one left on the boat. And we ain't close enough to land, and I'm going to get off this boat before uh, before the, the sun goes down. Before the Dracula gets me. Yeah, and in the Spanish version, they actually do have him frozen to the mast, to the to the to the um the wheel to the to the wheel, like he does in the book. He ties himself to the wheel. Yeah, in the book. So I yeah, mean, that's, that's an advantage the Spanish version has. Yeah, because obviously no one, that they're not as limited by the censors as the American even, version was. And even they had to do it in silhouette. You know, they couldn't show the guy like horrified because they, you know, it. Right. There's only one way the human face looks where someone, some third party person, comes up and goes, "This guy must have died of fright." Okay, <laughs> so obviously <laughs> the guy was fucking horrified and his face showed it so it it is a, and so the, the rest of the movie goes on another hour where people are just really casual about like yeah man there is a possibility there's a fucking monster running around turning people into other monsters turning into wolves right in front of us not casting a reflection sure. on anything maybe yes. we should we're not going to do anything till he grabs our girlfriend 
and then then we're going to get our blood up and we're going to go in there and do something about it. We're not going to do anything until they get up to 17th Street and then maybe yeah. we'll consider <laughs> Yeah, we'll exactly. Consider some action. Yeah, they don't even get Renfield <laughs> because the because Dracula just gets tired of Renfield and throws him off a, a flight of steps because he's just sick God of him. Also, get the fuck out of here. Also, the Spanish Renfield needed to go. I couldn't stand him. I couldn't say really? that that oh, that laugh needed that <laughs> laugh went on too one too many times and it ran on about eight seconds too long each time he did it. Okay, I was like, all right, dude, your question. I do. I get it. Your question. Go ahead. Go finish this on to finish. I, go ahead. Ask your question. Go ahead. I'm Who listening. was the better Dracula? No, I, I think Bela Lugosi was a better Dracula. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I think he he just wore his weird a lot better. It seemed like the other, the other guy was pretending to be Bela Lugosi, but it's, it seemed like Bela Lugosi got off the boat like that, you know, like he's like, literally he got off the boat in that Cape with the, the with, with those eyes. And I, walked I right feel like if you had met Bela Lugosi somewhere, he just would have come across like that. Yeah. And he would, I, he would, yeah. I balled you to death and you would have been like, Holy shit. It's Bela He'd have been like, uh, that's uh, 20 cents for the coffee. You'd be like, <laughs> And be like, or not. Here, here, here. Just I, I, here's, here's my enjoy, controversial sir. opinion. <laughs> yeah, please, I, I, I please think enjoy. the Spanish movie of the movie is a better film overall, but the American version gets over because Bela Lugosi is just fucking born for this part. Like he's he's just a force of nature. Yeah. They're they're they're. Even though the Mexican actor is amazing. The Mexican actor is incredible. He's a really good actor. But Bella Ghosty doesn't look like he's acting. Last week, he we discussed like Alien. It's we, discussed, we, we, we did our best to discuss Alien without talking about Aliens. And uh, the second movie yeah. wouldn't have existed without the first movie. But the, the two of them are almost so indelible that you can't really talk about the one without the other. It's that much. So of Alien a, a faithful... 1 is Bela Lugosi and Aliens, Aliens is the it, Mexican it, actor? Your, your mileage varies yeah. on which one you choose. But the bottom line is the two movies are inextricable. You can't, you can't really separate them from, from themselves. So That's a great point. Better or worse, I don't know. Um, I think there there's a lot of stuff in the Spanish version that expands on things that the that the quote unquote the universal or the American version didn't do um, or couldn't do. I think there's a lot of there's a lot more embellishment. There's a lot more uh, there, there's a lot more risk taking in the Spanish version, but there is a kind of casual style. And um, assertiveness that the first that the American version has that the Spanish version doesn't have. And then you also have to take into account, in my opinion, and then you also have to take into account that the Spanish version is watching everything that the American version is doing and just copying it. And they and they, with it with the notion that we can do this better. So when you when you right. have the luxury of watching something that same day. Not even like we're studying this movie and six months later, we're going to make our version of the movie. It's going to be better. <laughs> but you're doing it that night. Like, I'm going to repeat this exact same it's, shot. It's, it's, rea- it's, it's reactive. Yeah. You can't really. I mean, the two movies are so close together. You can't really judge them. Up. I can't really judge them apart. Um, my only issue was, well, I had several issues. So that's a, that's a lie. But I mean. <laughs> I've articulated several issues, so I can't say yes, my only yes, issue. You have. 
but uh but the 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 time watching the the spanish version and watching the the complete i mean it comes forward more so in the spanish version the lack of urgency to it and i think because because i'm intuiting the the you know the the emotionality of the people in the film when they're not nervous about anything i'm not so i'm like oh we're just gonna wait yes yes yes. we're gonna wait for dracula to fuck up and then we're gonna get him and that's basically what they do so it is what it is that's a fair that's a fair criticism i'm also a giant fan of uh of of coppola's version i i really liked that movie i'm me too i'm in a strange uh I'm in a strange minority because I found recently that a lot of people don't like that movie, but that really, I, I love that film. That, and that actually very, that very much surprises me because I love that film. I've, I've just in, in a lot of circles I've been in recently, just mentioning that film, people are like, ah, oh, is that the film schlock and Keanu Reeves, but that was before Keanu Reeves could act <laughs> and all this other shit that they laid on top of it that had nothing I mean, to do Reeves, with anything. Reeves, Reeves admitted that he was very tired and he was that because because I've seen Reeves uh, even before that be really really good even with accents and whatever and he admitted that he was just very tired uh, and was not prepared for that part and I'm, and I'm so tired he took it because it of his presence for Coppola it's a Dracula it's it's like Godzilla it's like watching a Godzilla movie and then being like well, you know when Raymond <laughs> Burr really just didn't give his all in that I, who the hell cares you know like it's there's a there's Raymond a sequence mailed it in. Yeah, there's a scene where you know he's with where the coach comes up, and the guy reaches off the goddamn uh, stagecoach and grabs him and puts him. And it's such a, it's an optical. It's amazing. It's, it's an optical illusion, and you it, it's done so well. You wonder if you saw it right, you know. But yes. it, it, and, yes, it, and there's no 100%. fanfare attached to it. Yeah. So it look it beyond that I. I love that film. I I I'm beyond love that film. I do too. I do not. I did not compare this these two films to that film because that's unfair. Um, and I re- I respect the hell out of these two films. I think they're beautiful. I I think if I was to to dig really deep for an overall criticism of it, it's just because it's so new that they just didn't know how to make you afraid of Dracula. You know, everyone in the That's film has point. to say how afraid of him they are. Like, did you see his face when the, the sun came up? And did you see his face? And like, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw his eyes, dude. You can't really. You closed up on his eyes and then you shine lights a big, in it. Goofy werewolf monster. Spaghetti monster. Um, but I, I don't I can't separate the two. I think the two of them kind of go together. I'm glad I got to see the Spanish version because I've, I've heard about the Spanish version since the 90s. And I never got a chance to see it. Um, and, it and it's really special thanks to Steve for, for, for facilitating that because I wouldn't have been able to, to I couldn't find the movie well, anywhere. Well, man, more thanks to me for actually. Thanks for Dennis for his idea. <laughs> Great. I, anybody, any, any pigeon can have an idea, but someone else actually made the idea happen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I'm I'm glad that you guys got something out of it because I, I I think that there is a relationship between these those two films that's really interesting and worth considering, especially if you're if you're like we are, if you're cinema fans, 
there's something interesting about the relationship between these two films that's worth considering. Yeah. Uh, and then even more so to, to actually even consider the Francis Ford Coppola version uh, as a, maybe a, a, a stepbrother or a stepsister to right. these two siblings. Uh, I'm, I'm Skipping over the Frank Langella version it. altogether. <laughs> plus, plus, I love the I do love the Frank Langella version, and plus the comic book version. So I think that there's a there's a, a relationship between all of these works. Yeah, that's interesting to consider, uh, and I, and I, I I genuinely believe they all elevate each other. That they they all say something about each other that's really interesting and uh, beautiful in the history of cinema. I am actually right now looking at the comic book version, Mike Manila's comic book version. And I, I have to agree with you. It's a, it's a fantastic adaptation. This the is understanding of, of imagery and color that is, you know, Incredible. far beyond. Yeah. The um, movie anyway. only exists to, for the comic book to exist. <laughs> that's, that's my attitude. <laughs> I don't know about that, but, but fair enough. Same as, same as Dune. Same as Dune. The only reason that Dune is yes, the Sinkevich comic can exist. That that isn't a that is an amazing adaptation. The Sinkevich, and is. you know when when I was a kid, I didn't like it because I was like, this is it wasn't flashy and and explodey enough. So you know, I, I know better. Explodey. It was. It was not enough. There was not enough people getting blown up. Not enough so boomstick. Like, yeah. yeah. But now, now you know better. Oh, it's it's it's. It's gorgeous, freaking amazing. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. It so was, it was fun too to notice in the in the in the Spanish version where they did reuse some of the footage from yes. that they had shot, like a few of the stock shots. It's like we don't need to reshoot this, you know. And like they would drop in, but they're different actors coming into the scene, so it's like you you see a, a long shot. Like for example, when they when the coach is coming down the hill into the town right. at the beginning, and you see the innkeeper standing there, and he's kind of like looking up towards the coach coming in. He's got this big bald spot on the back of his head, but the actor in the Spanish version who played the innkeeper had a full head of hair, so it's clearly not the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also, it's well, also interesting. There's a scene in in the in the in the American in the in, I guess what you would call the American or the Universal version. Where yeah, they're both universal, so I mean, there's a scene where the guy's talking about the mountains and that there's vampires in the mountains, and they they do a weird he's he, they're 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 viewing both he and Renfield from the side, mm-hmm. right. and then they cut to him as you know as a straightforward shot, but the way it's cut, it looks like it's a completely different person talking. Right, and yeah. then they cut back to the to the side view, and you real, and he's in mid sentence. You realize, oh, that's the same. That's weird. That's a. That's it's, kind it's, of a it's interesting in general how in the American version the studio cut out so much more. Yes, the Spanish version they were kind of left to just kind of do their own cut. And yeah. the American the, uh, the Spanish version and the American version they were so much more strict about how much they had to cut out of it, and that's. An interesting choice, and I'm not sure why. I, I'm not sure if they felt the with the Spanish audiences more was was the Spanish audience more sophisticated? Did they just not care as much about the Spanish audience as the American audience? 
I don't know. Could be anybody's guess. That yeah, I think, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I do I do enjoy the Spanish version so much is the fact that there's a lot of those a lot of those scenes that seem so choppy, especially towards the beginning, have a just you know a few more minutes of material at the at the ends at both ends of some of them, and it just makes the, the transition from one scene to the next. A, a lot more comfortable and easier to take in. And it just gives you, yep. it doesn't, it doesn't give you necessarily a lot of, you know, you're not stuck sitting there going, Oh God, oh, I don't need to worry about this guy eating lunch right. after he gets there at midnight, you know, come on, you know, but it's just, it's a, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting compare and contrast for sure. Yes. There's different choices and all the choices are interesting. That's right. That's right. Um, so uh, I guess that's Dracula. If you haven't seen Dracula, I mean, come on, it's 1931. This movie came out. Get out. It's it's Halloween. It's October. Go watch it. Come on. Or spend your time watching two better vampire movies than everyone we've talked about. Which which two? Which are what? Interview with the Vampire. Yes. Yeah. I love better. it. I love it. I, I'm not saying better, but I love it. 30 Days of Night. Never seen that one. I would also oh. add. Wow, what? Dennis. Thirty wow. days. Of, seen it. Thirty days of night is a better movie than the nineteen thirty version of Dracula. Are you? Yes. Yes, I'm saying that right now. Well, I've seen the original version of nineteen. Sorry, Boomer, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not. I would. I would also. I'm not I, the I, Boomer. I would, I'm the anti-Boomer. I'm taking more double, recent. On, I would double down on Interview with the Vampire. Amazing film. Ugh. And only only lovers left alive. Also, another amazing vampire film. That's a really, really interesting vampire film. The same way that Byzantium is a really interesting vampire yes, film. Agreed. But if you want to get into the the nitty gritty of what the greatest vampire film of all time is, you're not top. Go. You're not topping. Let the right one in. Well, good a good movie. Don't good don't movie. Know, Can't complain. That is the best vampire film both, ever made, both, hands by down. The way, both versions. But certainly ain't John Carpenter's vampires. That's for sure. <laughs> the original Fright Night, probably my favorite. That's oh really yeah, movie. Fright Night. That's, that's a good vet. That's, that's a good is, Yeah, baby. Dog shit, but yeah, it's for the first. Well, time. yeah, that's no, no, Latham. Humper, no, Latham. Talk about it. There is segment. no sequel, Latham. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Oh no. There has well, not never right been a sequel. Two. You want me to show you a screenshot of it? No, 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 no. I don't no, know what you, you mean. Ah, no. <laughs> there you go. There's a screenshot for you. Am I holding it too close? I can't see it. Courier's <laughs> choice. <laughs> Fright Night, amazing vampire It's a movie. good vampire movie. That yeah. is. And Chris Sarandon. Humperdinck, Chris Sarandon. Humperdinck is, Chris a great, is a great vampire. Yes, Chris he is. is. And we, we and we and it gave us evil Ed. So I mean, come yes. on. Yes, it did. <laughs> Welcome to Fright Night. Before he uh... for real. For Isn't real, that one man. of the greatest? Amazing! It's amazing. One of the greatest scenes, one of the most terrifying scenes when I was a kid was the scene where uh, evil Ed comes to uh, uh, Peter Vincent's door and he knocks on the door and then he says, "Let me in." There's a vampire out here. And it's just kind yeah. of almost a comic, the mm-hmm. slapstick scene where he opens the door and he grabs the kid and he, and he you know, yanks him in the, in yeah, the but apartment he's a vampire. and he locks the door and he turns around and he's got his back to the door and he says, what are we going to do? And, and Evil Ed says, well, what are you going to do? And he, and he right. 
and yep. he fangs out. And that that's scary. I shit. just remember being so terrified for like you're locked in your own fucking apartment with that guy now. You know, you let you let the vampire in. You you gave him yeah, permission. Yeah, you're you're had, and, dude. You and know, let us let us not forget the greatest made-for-TV horror film ever made. Sam's Lot. Sam's Lot. Never saw it. That is a that is a standout TV production. Good stuff. It's not. It, no, I don't. It's not necessarily. It's not about staying true to the Stephen King original story at all. I mean, obviously, it's pretty it, close. It's, it's pretty close. It's close enough. But I mean, in and all of right, itself, one more, one more. What's a really good vampire film that we haven't mentioned yet? Love at first bite. Good movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> Funny. Dracula dead and loving it. Oh, oh my god. Dracula dead and loving it. Yes. That movie's, garbage. That movie's fucking awesome. Is that the George no. Hamilton one? No, How about Saturday no, 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 the 14th? A, oh my that's god. That's uh what's his name? <laughs> top to, uh police squad. Steve Gutenberg. Oh, good. No, 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 no. no the older gentleman. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Yes. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Dracula. Dracula. He was Dracula. No, the, the director, Mark uh, uh, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Yes. Directed film. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, what Mel about Brooks goes, what about the she's, blade? She's, wait, wait, wait. She goes. He he goes. She's Nosferatu, and then Steven Weber goes. She's Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nosferatu. Good stuff. My one of my favorites is Lost Boys, and I know that ugh. there's, Lost there's Boys controversy to awesome. it. Great movie. No, yeah. fucking great movie. That movie. Awesome. I knew I knew that was gonna movie. It's all yeah. good. Great soundtrack. Lost Boys, amazing soundtrack. I hate that movie. Oh yeah. Yep. What? There it is. Hate that. That's movie. what I was trying to yeah. avoid. Yeah, no, no. You listen. Latham can hate that thing all day long. That's all right if I don't like something. Nah, you you don't hate that movie. You're full of shit. What about Van Helsing? Lost Boys is fucking incredible. Van Helsing. What are you doing? Oh God, Van Helsing is cute. Van Helsing is cute. It's not cute enough. There's Twilight. Things about it that are fun. What about Last Man on Earth? Frankenstein, Frankenstein's pretty fun. Was it that Last Man on Earth or Omega Man or I Am Legend? Oh, the with the Will Smith version? No, not necessarily the yeah. Will Smith version. Last Man on Earth, a Vincent Price movie. Yeah, yeah. I know. I dig it. I dig it. Now, now's a good time to talk about how overrated Near Dark is. No, oh, come on, I come love Near Dark. Near Dark's so cool. Nah, not the best movie. Not Near the Dark's best movie in the world by any stretch, but. A good movie. A oh, I'm movie. sorry. I got the coup d'etat right here. Life okay. Oh, interesting. Space vampires. That's a vampire movie, huh? One, one of, of my favorite, actually, one of my favorite films. How about the underworld? How about the underworld films? Uh, those barf, are mediocre at best. Barf. Bleh. The first one and the second one aren't bad. The first one was good, but the. Uh, but- yeah, it goes afterwards. off the rails very easily. How about Daybreakers? That no, I didn't like that underrated. one. I, I, I agree with you 100%, Latham. That's under that movie. Not, not enough people have seen that movie. When when was that movie released? Uh, what about 2009? 
What about Innocent Blood? It's Ethan, I love Innocent Blood because it's Innocent got Blood's and, a great movie. It's oh, got Left in the Key with Ethan, with Ethan, Ethan Hawke and Willem Dafoe. Oh, that movie's fucking awesome. Yeah, he's in a car with like yes, a, the, with black, the black windows. Oh, yep. I love that movie. I didn't like that movie too much. Um, oh, I've got the worst. Movie's fucking awesome. I'm not going to bring up From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, Dusk Till Dawn's fucking terrible. awesome. It's what are you talking about? Because I figured Nathan oh, would hate God. it. Yeah, I Dust don't hate it. It's just not awesome. Or the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, never seen the series. I have to watch it. You've never seen the, the original film? Oh, the movie. The movie. No, it's garbage. Yeah, that movie's garbage. It's not garbage. Worst vampire it's film. Peter Herman is a vampire, right? Is which one? The Hunger. Peter Herman. Oh, oh The Hunger. So bad. No, nah, The Hunger's not that good. Oh, The Hunger. Yeah. Literally. I, I can't say anything bad about something with David Bowie in it, so. Well, I can't. I'm sorry. Uh, what's your name? I forgot to mention Blade, the first one. Blade's fucking fantastic awesome. film. Blade's That's the a fantastic fucking best. Film. Never saw it. Bla- okay. Oh my god, Blade, Blade is fucking amazing. It. It's an amazing movie. It really Blade's is. For a comic great. book movie, also comic yeah. book movie before there were really good comic book movies. First of all, Blade's amazing. Number one. <laughs> then the the female lead is a black lady, like. Not like half well, white, half black. black. Like I'm just saying, the lead, the female lead, is black, black. Like she's a black woman, and she's amazing. <laughs> black, black. And that time, at that time, they would often hedge their bets by hiring a half white, half black lady or someone of mixed heritage. And Wesley Snipes said, "No, we're going to hire a actual black woman, black on both sides." And she was incredible, and she's gorgeous on top of everything else. And then the thing with his mom was incredible. That movie is just fucking amazing. This movie's incredible. On his mom was Sanaa Latham, who was in uh, who, who later was in uh, Aliens versus Predator. That's right. That's right. Uh, That's right. And uh, and a bunch of other things. Like yeah. she, whoever let's, her agent let, was. Let's not her forget agent the, was amazing. Let's not get the original source film. What we do in the shadows. Oh, we do this show. Yeah. Which is, a, by the way, you gotta the watch the TV show though. I think the TV show is actually better than the movie. The series is better. Yeah. It is. And, oh, the movie's and, fine. And, the and, movie's and, a, and a fantastic vampire movie that I am betting out of the four of us, I might be the only one who's seen it. Probably. A girl walks home alone at night. I've seen it. It's fucking okay. fantastic. No, I don't think Amazing. I've seen it. Really good. Shot really by good. shot by an Iranian woman. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Anna Lily Amapur. Yep. Very, All very, right. very, very good. And black done in black and white too. Dennis, okay, anything next, else? Next time. All the Twilight films. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> the third. The third one was stop. good. <laughs> no, I watched the third one. No, no that's the third that Harry Potter good. film. That's what you're saying. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, Dennis, next time I want you to pick Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Okay. Uh, a cult classic in which Jesus Christ returns to Earth to fight vampires who are killing lesbians. What? Okay. And they should pair right. that with Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah, having vampire that been hunter. said, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, it's actually a good have movie. You guys, have it's you actually guys a pretty American funny Werewolf movie. In London? We have not. American Wolf London's probably my favorite werewolf we have to movie do that. of all time. Next to Twilight. It, it would incredible. probably be it would probably be my third favorite werewolf movie. What's okay. the first two? It is my 83rd favorite werewolf movie. You have 82 other werewolf <laughs> movies you like? 
Wow. That's impressive. Dog soldiers See, and howling, right? That's Dog right. soldiers. Yeah. There you go. Dog Steve, soldier. what are your first two werewolf movies? Oh, my God. Dog soldiers and the howling. <laughs> really? Yeah. Those are my two favorite uh, werewolf movies above American uh, man, Werewolf. I would put American Werewolf in Paris above those two. Oh, God. Oh. Stop yourself. American okay. Werewolf okay. in Paris. All right. She's right. starting to freak now. Off the rails. All right. Starring Dennis Galero. That's not watching TV. That's getting hit with your television. That movie is so bad. <laughs> What's the I name of my podcast? I apologize. Not so special. <laughs> Not so special. This week, but American so Werewolf. American Werewolf is my favorite. American Werewolf is a you're not fantastic so, film. It's just call it. You're not so special. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Are we done? Well, we're close. We, we <laughs> just let us alienate you. First. <laughs> would, would you? Would we like? To, would we like to talk about the films of Todd Browning? Yeah, I mean, you got to do the Martini and the glass right? Uh, and the fact that Todd Browning, uh, he directed a freaks. <laughs> that is his, that is my favorite film of Todd Browning's. Man. That is well, a, that is a better film than Dracula. Not a fun film to watch. That's for sure. No, it's a difficult film. Jeez. Which movie freaks? Yes. Freaks. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess from, that would be my favorite film. From 1932. What about, what about freaked? <laughs> Very few people know that the dog boy was actually Keanu Reeves. That's dog, right. Dog Keanu people. Reeves. Dog Dracula, boy. He, he wasn't Dracula, so there's a connection. Yeah, there's a connection. Although Todd Browning did do London After Midnight as well. Great movie. Terrific movie. Uh, I love that film. Which he then arguably remade with Mark of the Vampire in 35. Sure. Sure. An well, interesting period in filmmaking, for sure. Very much so. Well, I'm going. With we're Freaks. done. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> A very interesting episode of Sentimental. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, it's an angry episode. That's <laughs> yeah, not angry. I don't think yeah, we who, were angry. Who was angry? I think we were. Yeah, all I was good. angry the whole time. I was angry the whole goddamn <laughs> time. <laughs> I forgot to tell you my secret. I'm, I'm always angry. I'm always, always angry. Always no, always no, that's the worst. That's the worst button in cinematic history. Oh, that's I'm my favorite line song, of that baby. movie. Oh my god, I hated that so bad. Oh my god, it was the stupidest shit ever. That, that actually, that actually supplanted, supplanted. Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? Oh, God. Yeah, the you're right. The same thing that happens right. to everything else. <laughs> so you wrote that with angry. a straight face, Fuck right? Off. You were up all night on that one, weren't you? Jerked off to that one. Yeah. Fucking, <laughs> fucking son of a bitch. No. No. <laughs> oh, no. All righty. So, Dennis, thanks so much for uh, for hanging out with us. and and, and Thank <laughs> you, gentlemen. And making us watch Dracula a few times. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks Dennis. for making us watch Dracula. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks so You're much, Dennis. I'm gonna watch the bitch. third fourth cards before I go to bed tonight. You're such a great dude. Thanks. <laughs> I didn't even watch him today. I just went by memories from YouTube. I'm sure you did. Well, when you've seen YouTube. it 98 times, that's easy. That's true. 
Uh, so thanks to Fesley and Studios for our intro music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at Cinementalpod. For Dennis Calero, Hassan Goblin, Lathan Conger III, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and mordedor de Cuello de Transylvania de los Viejos Tiempos, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Ooh. Beautiful. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> He's called Dracula, you motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Han de Dracula. <laughs>